Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Um, as we transition again in the service to our teaching portion, I want to begin with a video. Uh, y'all are used to that from me by now. Uh, but I want to begin with a video, and, and I want us to think about a question as we watch this. Uh, it's three minutes long, so just hang in there. Uh, but I want to ask this question because I believe it's important. Uh, our answer to this question is shaping our life in some way, shape, or fashion. So the question I would like you to keep in mind uh, as Miss Peggy sings today is, is this all there is? Now, the song that we play offers an answer, but what would your answer be? Is this all there is? Let's watch. And when I was 12 years old, my daddy took me to the circus, the greatest show on earth. There were clowns and elephants and dancing bears and a beautiful lady in pink tights flew high above our heads. But as I sat there watching, I had the feeling that something was missing. I don't know what, but when it was all over, I said to myself, is that all there is to the circus? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, Just as well 
tell as I'm standing here talking to you that when that final moment comes and I'm breathing my last breath, I'll be saying to myself, is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a bar. If that's Sixty-nine. You can tell it's a little slower than what we would listen to today. But asking a question and proposing an answer is this all there is? At the risk of being too dramatic this morning, your answer to this question is influencing your life today. The decisions you make, your outlook on tomorrow, is affected by your answer of to the question: Is this? All there is. That was 1969, and today I think our generation has asked this question and provided the answer with a simple saying, and that is YOLO. I know I'm too old to say that, but YOLO is Y-O-L-O, you only live once. That's our generation's answer to this question. You only live once. So, so let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze, snap a selfie. Let's have a ball since this is all there is. Has anybody's social looked like that narrative lately? <laughs> like we see our world answering this question that way all the time, but what about you? How do, how do you answer this question, is this all there is? You ever find yourself uh, dealing with the pain and the challenges of life? Maybe you're scrolling your favorite social app or, or maybe watching the nightly news on television asking a similar question like, is this really it? You know, because we see the stories like, like just, just last week, tragedy struck another university just across the mountain from us. And we ask those questions when we see that pain, when we see that brokenness, is this all there is? You know, we, we hear of a shortage of this or economic woes of that, and, and it's coming here. Maybe we're in a recession or experiencing inflation. Maybe it's both. Maybe there's another storm coming, an earthquake devastating, shattering the ground, leaving thousands without the basic necessities of life. Is this seemingly unending cycle of pain and brokenness just that, unending? Do, do we believe that? Like, do you believe that? You see, if we take that question to the scriptures, we find a pretty clear answer to this age-old question, and that is no. No, this is not all there is. You see, there's a lot more to your story. There's a lot more to our story together because the scriptures actually say something quite the opposite of this is it. Jesus himself, let's look at his words in John 5, verse 24. Jesus speaking, he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. You see, YOLO is not 
a biblical idea. Jesus said that when we believe in him, we have life eternal, unending. So is this all there is? No. No, we we have an eternal future, an eternal destiny before us. The Apostle Paul, he he talks about this in Romans 8 uh, a lot, but uh, verses 18 and 19 specifically. He says, I consider that our present sufferings, just listen to the magnitude of what the Apostle Paul the magnitude of how he's answering this question, is this all there is? He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to, with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. So for the Apostle Paul, the wrestlings and the pain and the struggle, that the suffering that we uh, experience now are not worth comparing to the glory that is ahead. And when we consider the suffering now, that says a lot about what's ahead. The glory that will be revealed. So as we move to finish up our teaching series today, uh, we're going to examine uh, what we believe about tomorrow. We're going to see that if for the follower of Jesus, for the follower of Jesus, the, the question or the answer to the question, is this all there is? Is this all there is for the Jesus believer? The answer is a compassionate and hope-filled no. No, this is not all there is. I want to welcome you back to our teaching series what we believe. Uh, Over the last three weeks, we've been uh, seeking to get a a clearer picture, a better understanding of uh, of some of the key tenets of faith for the Church of the Nazarene and what we believe. And and this is not just to gain information or knowledge, though that's important, but we want to value the freedom, the joy, and yes, the hope that we have in living the way of Jesus of Nazareth. We've explored what we believe about Jesus, what we believe about God's grace, and and trying to understand the many ways in which he's uh, uh, calling us from death to life and drawing us to himself and shaping us in his image. Just last week, we looked at this idea uh, of entire sanctification that we believe uh, in and through Jesus and by his grace that there is power available to break the power of sin in our lives that we can live differently through him. And today, as we conclude our series, we're going to look ahead. If this is not all that there is, what is there? And I think this is a fitting and critically important question to conclude our series with because, again, what we believe about tomorrow is shaping our lives today, and this happens all the time. Uh, If there was a weatherman to come on this morning or this afternoon and, and say that there was a snow or ice event, coming tomorrow, it would change today, wouldn't it? There would be a run on bread and milk at the grocery store. Like, I don't know who's eating bread and milk sandwiches, right? But that's what goes first. The sandwich meat and the cereal stay there, but the bread and the milk leave. I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, you see, what we believe about tomorrow is going to send me into action today because I'm going to go home and make sure the generator starts. I'm going to make sure that the four-wheeler's ready with the plow on it, right? And, man, we've moved a couple times, so I'm going to have to look for the snow shovel. And if you go down here to the non-ethanol gas station, there's going to be a line of pickup trucks with red tanks getting gas. You see, what we believe is coming about tomorrow, all that activity, all that expenditure of resources is taking uh, on at the word of a meteorologist who we love dearly, but let's be honest, they're, they're wrong a lot. 
But you see, what we believe about tomorrow shapes how we live today. And so I, I would ask you that question today. How is what you're thinking about what is ahead shaping how you're living today? How is what you believe about tomorrow shaping how you live today? Is that unending news cycle chipping away at the hope that you have and leading you to feel despair? Maybe you would just say with with Miss Peggy Lowell, let's just dance and have a ball then. Or... Or do we, do we believe Jesus in the witness of the Scripture that this is not all there is? That in Christ we have reason to hope, reason to lean in with anticipation about what's coming tomorrow. You see, we can have hope in Christ because we believe in resurrection, judgment, and eternal destiny. Do you have that hope today? you have that hope today? Let's pray. Lord, um, w- will you speak to us today? Um, Lord, this is, this is a challenging uh, topic to communicate, uh, God. So, so will you speak? Will you speak today, Lord? Uh, we, we want to be humble before you. We want to listen for your voice. We want to to allow you to to have your way in our lives, Lord. We want your hope, Lord Jesus. We know as your children, we're a part of your future, Lord. So, So help us to understand that, Lord. And in that understanding, help us to live differently. As if there was a snowstorm coming tomorrow. Lord, we give you give you full sway today. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Um, so I, we're going to begin to unpack this. I want to look at kind of three different, uh, three different topics or three different areas of concentration, if you will. And that's going to be the idea of resurrection, judgment, and destiny. And I know, and even just saying that, we're heading into a, a challenging and you might say dense message. Uh, but I, I promise you, friends, that there's hope here and it's important that we wrestle with these topics. Uh, we're going to celebrate Christmas next week, so y'all come back. Um, but it's important to spend time under the weight of these ideas because they're scriptural, okay? And, and so uh, at resurrection, judgment, and destiny, what do we believe is the church of the Nazarene? Well, these ideas are covered under Article 16 in our Articles of Faith. Now, uh, our Articles of Faith are the 16 key doctrinal points or, or ideas that we are based on as the church of the Nazarene, and Article 16 covers that. Uh, for today. And so I want to read it just verbatim, and then we're going to start to unpack it on our way through. So Article 16 says this. It says, we believe in the resurrection of the dead, that the bodies of both the just and the unjust shall be raised to life and united with their spirits. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. 16.1 says, we believe in future judgment in which every person shall appear before God to be judged according to his or her deeds in this life. And finally, 16.2 says, uh, we believe that glorious and everlasting life is assured to all those who savingly believe in and obediently follow Jesus Christ as Lord, and that the finally impenitent, those, those who don't repent, shall suffer eternally in hell. It's weighty, right? 
It's weighty. So let's begin with resurrection. Let's begin with resurrection. You see, because the resurrection of Jesus, right, is, is the central focal point of the Christian faith. It's something we celebrate every year at Easter. It's the Super Bowl Sunday on the calendar of the church, if you will. And we believe that part of the story of God, part of the scriptural narrative uh, that we're invited to live into, reveals that all people will experience resurrection too, both the just and the unjust. Now, the Apostle Paul uh, unpacks this thoroughly, and maybe no more so in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And that's where I want to go today to just start looking at this idea a little bit. So, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, practically this whole chapter is Paul's expounding his argument, if you will, because he, he's pushing back against the idea of the people that were saying there is no resurrection, people that were saying this is all there is. Well, this is Paul's response. And, and we're going to pick up midstream in his argument here in verse 16. He says, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And so basically he's saying, without the resurrection, without Jesus' resurrection, believing on him would be futile, be no source of hope if it were not for the resurrection. And Paul goes on, he says, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. He says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. That's strong. You see, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, that puts him in line with the countless other martyrs throughout the course of history. But you see, the resurrection vindicates who he was, who he said he was. You remember, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. So his resurrection was proof, it was the vindication of his claims to be Savior, Messiah. And so verse 20, Paul goes on, he says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so you get this idea that Jesus is the first and more to come in this idea of resurrection. He says, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Is this all there is? No. No. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then he who comes, those who belong to him. You see, we believe that those who have lived justly, those who have lived for Christ Jesus, will be resurrected to eternal life with a new and, and incorruptible body. Not necessarily like the body we have now with aches and pains that plague us, but a new body. I'm kind of hoping for dreads. It's eternity. Just give me 10,000 years with dreads. If we don't like it, we'll try something else, right? But you see this new body idea. New body. Existentially more alive, more whole, more pure, more free from the ailments that we suffer with today. New and you see, after Jesus' resurrection, when he was alive, that his disciples, his closest friends, didn't quite recognize him, did they? You know, Mary, she thought he was the gardener. His disciples, when, when he was on the seashore making breakfast, they didn't realize who it was until they got closer. On the way to Emmaus, they walked with him and heard his story, expounding the scriptures. They didn't know who he was until he revealed himself. You see, it's very much Jesus, but it's very much different. That's the resurrection body that is ahead. Now, I, I know my brain gets, likes to know the details, right? How in the world is that going to happen? But you see, 
If we focus on the details, we lose the beauty of the truth that the resurrection body that is ahead is going to be a a divine act of creative power, just like we would see in the book of Genesis when, when the Spirit of God spoke creation into existence. It's that power, it's that element of who He is that which we will be made new. Friends, that's a source of hope. We'll have a new body, one not subject to death alive for eternity we believe in a resurrection as we move this next one's everybody's favorite right judgment well maybe it's nobody's favorite as we begin to unpack this like I, I recognize this word is tense Um, But let's not allow our human tendency for vindictive judgment to come across on God. Let's play this out a little more practically. Uh, You're on the road of 33 or 340. Take your pick. Doesn't matter. They're both nuts. Uh, You're on the way to work, and and you see in the background uh, this car is bobbing and weaving traffic, right? I mean, you're doing like a solid 62 on 33 so you don't get run over, and here comes that guy. Okay, well then, as there, you see them bobbing and weaving, and they cut you off. You want justice. Daggone it, that crazy person's going to run somebody off the road. I hope that state trooper's up here and gets them a ticket. They get what they deserve. I know I ain't alone. Come on. I see y'all on 33. But you see, there's that nature. We want vindictive justice. We can't push that over on God. I I would ask you to remember uh, uh, Palm Sunday. When Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, what's he doing but weeping for the judgment that is coming? That's our judge. Weeping over what's coming. And see, we we need to frame it in its scriptural and, and biblical context, not our own. Not our own. You know, and we struggle with judgment sometimes a lot because, you know, maybe, maybe somebody has accused us of being judgmental or maybe we've been judged and we don't like how that feels and so we push back from it. Or maybe in your church tradition, maybe judgment was made the highest form instead of a part of the story. And so it's been distorted a little bit. But you see, the reality is, is that if we believe God is going to make all things new, If we believe that God is going to create new heaven and new earth, we need his righteousness and his holiness to be displayed and enacted on earth. And friends, that's going to happen through judgment. There has to be a point where evil is dealt with. That's judgment in the story of God. It's not vindictive, but it's a part of his holiness and his righteousness. And yes, our story. Let's look at Jesus' words uh, in John 5. We're going to begin in verse 24 where we started just a moment ago. Jesus speaking very truly, and again, anytime you see that in, in the Scriptures, pay attention. Like this is an emphasis point. He says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Uh, when Jesus says here that we'll not be judged, um, you, you, we should think that we'll not be condemned. Because we believe that we're going to give an answer for how we've lived, where our faith has been placed, but those in Christ will not be condemned. 
So that, that's, that's what he's trying to get here. And he, he says again, very truly I tell you, second point of emphasis, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. You see, Christ is our judge. It's to him that we shall answer. So friends, what we see in this truth is that how we live now matters. Like this is, this is the theme of James, right? Faith without works, faith without a changed life is dead. How you live today matters for eternity. How we live matters. Now, now we know, friends, we know that our salvation, our right standing in Christ only come through faith and trust in him. But it cannot be separated from how we live. It's a both-and merger of the kingdom of God in your life. So judgment, how, do, how does that play into uh, the future? We, we believe that the reality of this judgment, the declaration, the decision is eternal. For those who are, are apart from Christ, those who are condemned, it will mean eternity separated from God's presence. Uh, what's that mean? God is the giver of every good and perfect thing. He's the creator. So you take everything good that you can understand. Breath. Life. Relationships. Intimacy. Compassion. All of those things are from God in his presence. And so what happens when you remove all of who God is? It's what the scripture writers refer to as hell. And so we believe that those who have rejected him, Christ will, C.S. Lewis used to say this, that God will ultimately look at them and say, thy will be done. That if you don't want to be a part of his presence, a part of his life, he says, thy will be done. Have eternity apart from his presence. And we believe that, friends believe that but there's hope because of Jesus because in him what we believe on the other side of that judgment is eternity with all of God that all that he is we get to be with him for eternity there's no more sin death pain brokenness none of that all that is dealt with and we're alive with him and the saints to worship and take part with his creation for eternity What story are you living a part of today? Is it that story? You see, that's, that's hope. I, <laughs> my daughter's not here today. They're in Pigeon Forge. Can I just be honest and say, I, I don't have hope for her apart from this story. 
don't know what our world's going to be like. But the world's not the answer. Jesus is. So you see, that affects how we live, how we prosper, how we do. Everything is shaped by this hope. This is not just a removed doctrine. This is life. How are you answering that question today? I know for some of you, when you start to hear themes of resurrection and judgment and destiny, you're asking the question, where where does Christ's return fit into that? And that is a great question. Because it does fit, you see. It fits in this story. We believe that Christ will return. That he is going to return and it will be a return in judgment. Here's what the Church of the Nazarene says, says, Article 15 says, We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will come again. That we who are alive at his coming shall not precede them that are asleep in Christ Jesus, but that if we are abiding in him, relationally, if we're abiding in him, we shall be caught up with the risen saints to meet the Lord in the air so that we shall ever be with the Lord. Now, I know the second coming uh, is pretty popular on YouTube right now. I, I get it. I'm just old enough to be terrified by the Left Behind series as a kid. Anybody else? Black cover, funky color writing on the front? Yeah, that was petrifying to me as a kid. But you see, there's there's this tendency that we want to elevate the second coming. We want to remove it apart from the story of God. But no, no, we cannot take it out of its context. Because it's part of our destiny. It's part of resurrection. It's part of judgment. We can't pull it out. We must leave it in its biblical context. And that's why, as the church, we just simply say that he is coming again. We don't extrapolate all the details out of it because we just don't know for sure. But what we do know is that he's coming. And it's a part of his greater redemption story. And those in Christ have no need to fear. But we have reason to live in anticipation and urgency second coming boy I've asked this question a lot but is this all there is apart from Christ I guess so you know apart from Jesus that song makes total sense get to the end of your life and go wow was that it but you see we don't believe that's the way it has to be We believe in line with the Apostle Paul that all we can understand and grasp and know of Christ in life now is going to pale in comparison to the fullness of the glory that's coming. Can you imagine how pretty the beaches are going to be in the resurrection and the mountains? That's tangible hope. This is not faraway stuff. This is the story of God. And you're invited in it. What's it mean to follow Jesus? It means to step into this story of hope. So we have hope for the future, but we have a call, a commissioning to live differently now. As his agents, as his people communicating this hope, sharing this hope, being a part of his redemptive work. Because we're people of hope. That's following Jesus. 
do you have that hope? <laughs> I, that's the question of the whole message. Do you have the hope? You see, and, and it, to ask the question, do you have the hope, is to have the source of the hope, and that's Jesus. To be a part of his story that's going to transcend time. We unpacked on what week two, prevenient grace, that we believe God's moving in, in a part of our story, calling us from death to life, making us able, allowing us to choose him. Friends, today is one of those times of prevenient grace in your life. To change what story you're living in by receiving Jesus. You see, because in Christ, we have hope. And I've been working on this and studying this and thinking about this. And can I just say, like, it's served as hope in my life already. Because, man, we're journeying together and I know some of the pain. I know some of the brokenness, some of the things that, that seem hopeless in our story together. This has been a reminder for me that that's not it. There's more. There's more. And what's coming so worth it. Is that your story today? It can be. It can be. I'm just going to ask you to, to bow your head. Um, this is just one of those eternity cross-section moments. Do you want to live a different story today? Do you want to live a different story? Friend, if you're hopeless today, I, I, I ache with you because I get it. I, I don't know the ins and outs of your story, but friend, I, I know what hopelessness feels like. Would you exchange that hopelessness for Jesus? Your story in him will go on forever free from the brokenness and the pain that you're wrestling with in this life. And, and this whole idea of Jesus, that's not just a maybe later thing, it's a commissioning now because we have hope in His presence, His life within us now. Do you want that today? Do you want that today? That prayer doesn't have to be complex. Jesus invites us to come to Him as little children. If you come to him and just say, Lord, I need you. I need your life in me. Lord, I need to repent. I need to live differently in light of the story that you're inviting me to be a part of. And Lord, we know that that is by your grace. And so, Lord, we receive your grace today. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us. Lord, fill us with yourself. Bring joy, peace, and hope into our lives, Lord Jesus. That we would live for you differently. Differently. If that's your prayer today, I just invite you to lift a hand to heaven. 
to say, this is my story in Jesus. I see those hands. If this is our story, friends, we need to get busy living. We need to get busy living. Lord, we love you today. We're so grateful. We're, we're debtors to you, Lord, for your great grace and mercy. Lord, we want to live as your agents of reconciliation. We want to be your compassionate presence in our world, Lord, sharing hope, sharing Jesus with others. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.